We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And last night, in a matchup between the two most recent NBA champions, the Lakers fell to the Bucks in a game where they were outclassed across the board. And now, usually on this pod, we talk about the specifics of how the game went and the lineups and the schemes and all of the details that, that we love. Uh, but I'd like to start this one discussing a dynamic that's been kind of the monster in the background, I think, for this this season that we're really seeing come to the surface uh, where I think last night it all kind of came to a head. One thing that I've observed over the years is that basketball teams can only experience a certain degree of cumulative frustration throughout a season before they start to fracture. And that frustration can come from all sorts of different angles. We didn't play well. We're injured. This is one thing, one of the reasons I knew that when AD went down last year, we wouldn't be able to kind of like bring anything back is the post-game interviews by the end of last season started to be more and more like, man, it's been one thing after another this season. Like we just need to get healthy. We need to catch a break. We need that. And so that's something that that adds to your frustration, even though it's no fault of your own. You can all be working together in a really cohesive team and all of that. But several different things can add up in, to that collective frustration where after you pass that point, I think the only way that it can be resolved is three ways. There's the passive way to just let it play out and we'll get him next season, right? We'll address what we need to address over the offseason. A coaching change or a big roster move we're not talking the seventh eighth man we need a backup power forward type of move like a significant this alters the complexion of your team d i think we're at that point i think we arrived at that point last night that's interesting i didn't consider that necessarily but it's probably spot on basically like you just hit me over the head with a hammer and i just said oh look a hammer right didn't see that (laughs) hammer there but you just Mm -hmm. picked it up and hit me with it And, and so Yeah, I I think that that's probably right. I thought, Mike, and you were in the room, I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts about 
the general tenor and tone of the post-game comments, particularly how they differed from player to player and what like LeBron was saying, especially. And and so we all get the sort of secondhand, the video lens often tells you 99% of the truth, but sometimes there is maybe an extra 1% that is not said that maybe you pick up from being closer to the action a little bit. I'm not implying that that happened last night, but I'm always interested to hear sort of what things feel like when you're closer to the participants and and you feel the energy from the people who are saying the things that they're saying because the frustration point that Pete was making just now, I think that that bled through in some of LeBron's comments especially. Um, not – and I don't think it was a frustration with any specific person per se, although there's certainly an undercurrent of that and maybe multiple individual persons, right? But just the general lot in life that the Lakers are facing right now, the sort of we're down on our luck and there's no real path to being the team that they really thought they were supposed to be like four months ago or five months ago when everything was coming together. And the reality has hit them a little bit, especially hit LeBron James, who is one of the most understanding people around what it takes to win in the league like in this league there's maybe no one who has a better idea of what it takes to get it done he's done it so many times and to hear him sort of post game talk the way that he did about frustrations around lineups and inconsistency and just everything where the lakers are so i'm i'd love to hear your thoughts the funny thing about this whole this whole line of thinking I'm always there, right, for these pre and these post game interviews, with the one exception when it's a when it's a home road back to back. I have to leave before the last guys do the presser to get to the plane because basically once the plane like once the last guy gets there and the last guy is almost always going to be LeBron or AD, plane's taken off. Uh, and so what I what I do now the the good thing about what's happened during the pandemic is that I at least uh, I can get on the Zoom. So, so my experience, I'm on the 110, like flying out of the arena by, by the time, and I, I, I was there for Frank and for Russ, but when AD and LeBron come out, so I've got the zoom on, but I'm, you know, I'm not watching it, but it actually, in a way, it helped me to focus on it more than when I'm in the room and I'm tweeting, right? And I'm like, wait, what did you just say? I might be getting anywhere from 75 to 13,000 texts from Pete and Darius, um, depending on the level <laughs> Of what the loss, and by the way, that's me too. That's not just them texting me. That's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's like we've all had a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. And when I'm on my <laughs> laptop, I mean, you're getting you're getting probably you know five thousand words uh, every couple. Mike, yeah. where we're on our laptops texting, it is it's like crazy. dissertation yeah. level text. Oh yeah, right. It's it's so just anyway, like so, oh, Pete just sent me an article, and then we all got to <laughs> right, and we all got to respond to each other too. In fairness, because like we, you know, in in this year, there's been some more disagreement than usual on a couple of different topics, but nonetheless, we still mostly see it the same way. Anyway, so I'm listening to this thing, and it is a little bit different, but I also think that we're we're already to the point now where we're going to probably read too much into what LeBron said and the sort of the te- the tenor with which he said it. Uh, but like, because for the most part, I think that he was just expressing 
the similar frustrations that that we've had. Like this team just hasn't even been on the damn floor together. But to now bring Pete's point into this, if there's essentially like there's a limit to the the number of times that or the to the amount of frustration that can come, I think that that is also the case. Like both of these things are not true. Yeah. And the usual reason that that kind of a frustration comes in with a team that's talented is injuries. And guess what? Like when AD got hurt in game three last year, that was it. Okay. Obviously that boom, we're not winning anything this year without Anthony Davis. And so that seeps in and Phoenix wins the next four games this year, LeBron and AD both go down at separate times, but there's always been enough. Well, you know, that's a blank week injury, you know, maybe a four to six week injury for AD Uh, LeBron. we, We think LeBron will be back from that. So there's, there's a big, there's a big like crack in the facade, but it's one that you can you can put some of that like the those late night infomercial stuff on, um, and it will just magically. <laughs> yeah, you heal. slap the big old uh piece of black tape over the <laughs> leaking water, yeah. right? It's yeah. just like, but bam, yeah. I got it. Oh, it's like wow, this this thing can hold up Niagara Falls. Wow, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> so, but I think the to 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 throw this to you next, to whoever wants to take this, I think the other element that's now come in is with Westbrook. And there's a, there's a like, we've tried this lineup, we've tried that lineup, we've tried, uh, and it just, it hasn't, that part of it hasn't worked yet. And that's what some of the the questions were about, even if they didn't seem like they were about that. And that's hard for whether it's LeBron or AD or Russ himself or Frank Vogel. It's, there hasn't been a great answer um, to, to, because if whatever's going on, that third guy that was supposed to, he was supposed to come in and you know take care of some stuff and and that to me is is part not all certainly there's all the, there's all kinds of stuff we've talked about but that that was part of what last night's tenor felt like especially you know considering how what Westbrook played and didn't play in the fourth and all of that kind of stuff well Pete to kick it to you here there's only so many times Pete you can say hard we got to figure it out yep and LeBron said that last night. That's been a common refrain from Russ, but really the whole team has said, but I think that that speaks to the nature of the puzzle of like, if you're putting a puzzle together, there's only one piece. Say you have got a, have a thousand piece table puzzle. There's only one piece that fits into that one slot, right? It's one out of a thousand goes there. And so what that means is when you're putting the puzzle together, there's a great amount of failure, a great amount of like, oh, this little four piece, like I thought this fit there, but it doesn't. Sure. Right. And, and so there's a certain degree of trial and error. But when that's happening alongside the injuries, you start to like, we're not good because we don't have our guys and we're not good because we don't have any continuity. That was one of the things about the Bucks game. And one of the reasons why it was a measuring stick to me, D, was that like we have LeBron, AD and Russ. Sure, they haven't played together. And Milwaukee is so far on the other end of guys who've played together for years under the same coach on a continuity spectrum. LeBron was speaking to this after the game, right? But that's where we find ourselves in. And so that's why, like, if if Milwaukee's going to play like that, we're not going to beat them, especially not right now. There's that collective frustration of not having your guys and not having continuity and playing the defending champs that are beating your ass after a year of frustration. Let's go to break. When we come back, I want to talk more about this kind of coming to a head with Russ, because I do think that that is the, the elephant in the room. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, Russ is the elephant in the room. He is he is the new piece. And one of the interesting things that I thought LeBron said was like, it starts with me and AD. You might as well have been channeling Mike there and to you to a certain extent, right from the last few pods, because that and part is super important. But it does start with LeBron and AD. And they talked about that moment. And I texted you guys about the moment because Mike's at the arena and maybe you're watching the Spectrum feed, but I'm watching the TNT feed. And so I see Russ go over there after the game and LeBron and AD are on the bench and Russ is standing right in front of them and they're sitting on the bench and Russ puts his hands on their shoulders and is sort of talking to them. And he's got a little smile on his face a little bit and he motions over to like the buck side and I don't know what he's saying, right? We can project all we want. LeBron and AD got asked about this post game, but LeBron pivoted pretty quickly into the idea of Yeah, I think Russ is frustrated. He's frustrated with his opportunities, which was maybe a little slip of the tongue there a little bit. But he kind of said Russ is frustrated with his with with his opportunities. And then when he's gotten his opportunities, I think he's frustrated with the fact that he hasn't helped as much as he's wanted to help. And he's like, it starts with me and AD. He wants to help us. I don't think we've done enough to help him. And it's sort of that. And I'm wondering, I don't want to, I hate trying to psychoanalyze any of the players, but 55 games in, this is where they still are. It's like, how do we make this work with Russell Westbrook? Yes, we've got all of this stuff that has happened to us. But LeBron also got defiant, Mike, in one of his comments, because he said, yeah, guess what? You still got to go out there and do your job, right? There's still something they're still, it's still the game. You go out there and you play, you do the things that you're supposed to do. And hopefully that should be enough. And what I've been seeing from Russ and from the coach's perspective, at least, and this is my interpretation of it, is there has been, to me at least, a loss of trust that he is going to do the things that he's supposed to do on the court in order to help the team win. 
And after the first time Russ got benched in the fourth quarter, Frank said, we went with the guys that we thought were going to win the game. And he kept it short and brief. The next time Russ got benched, which was just the other night against the Knicks in overtime, Frank basically said the same thing, but he gave more detail. He said, I knew LeBron was going to have the ball and Russ was going to be off the ball. So we weren't going to get as much from him offensively. And defensively, we thought we were going to get more from Talon. So we went with Talon. And that gives you insight into how useful Frank thought Russ was going to be in that situation based off of how the team was going to play. And if you can't trust Russ to be an off-ball worker and you can't trust him to defend, then he ends up on the bench is how I interpreted that. And there's this, to me, Pete, a loss of trust now. And like, I don't even count what happened last night in terms of like, oh, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. The Lakers were down by a billion points. It was Russ's time to sit. The team started to make a run. And LeBron, I didn't even think LeBron was going to come back in, honestly. LeBron went to the bench. AD was in there. It was sort of like, AD, get your last shift in. When we're still down 20, then you'll come out too. And we'll put in bench guys. And then that'll be the game. Mm -hmm. Instead, that group made a run. They brought LeBron back in. And so I don't even count Russ not playing last night in the fourth quarter as really a big deal. Like, they stuck with the guys that were in there. That was fine. But I'm seeing a lack of trust now and a lack of belief that he's going to do the things that he's supposed to do. And I think that is that breaking point that you were talking about earlier about where they actually are with him and and the elephant in the room in terms of how to treat it. Well, I think that's a two-way street, too. One thing that has been important to me of my coverage of the team this year has been to represent as best I can, uh, Russell Westbrook's point of view, right? And there is danger in that and projecting my own thoughts, right? But that I think that in order to see someone completely, you have to be able to empathize and sympathize and put yourself in their shoes. And so let me try my best to represent where I think he's coming from without judgment, because I don't think he's right, ultimately. I'm not advocating for his point of view, but this is what I, I said. Well, I don't think he's entirely wrong either, though. What I see is Russell Russ is the only player who's played in every game this season. That's a fact. This has been ex- an extremely frustrating season. Regardless of how you feel about Russ, everybody agrees about that. This has been a really frustrating season. And so I what I've noticed from Russ, Mike, you made the point about being able to listen a little bit better when you were driving. And then, D, D you were talking earlier, like being in the room, there's a certain energy you pick up that doesn't come across Zoom. I edit the videos and I edit like all of the plays of for the games, meaning that even after the game, when we get the melts, the thing that I do with the melts is I log it. Right. And so it's like a Davis reverse layup, comma, L James assist, comma, PNR. Right. Like and so it's this logging system in which that gives me a certain intimacy with what's happening. And that happens with the uh, with the postgame interviews as well. And so I have a familiarity with kind of the story of Russ throughout the season in terms of how he's how I think he sees things. And I bring that up because I think he sees himself as someone who's blamed for everything. And he as a result, that's part of a big reason why he's not trying to hear it from anybody in post game, especially from reporters, right? But then maybe Shaq sitting sideline saying, "Hey, you're playing too fast." Well, that's Shaq, right? A million other people could have told him the same thing, but it's not Shaq that says that, right? And so 
what I see is is he's been asked to do things that are outside of how he became successful, right? Go stand in the dunker spot. Go set this pin screen on the weak side. And he has done the, several of those things in good faith, right? Uh, when he was asked to turn it down to, or to tone it down in terms of, terms of his turnovers, he had an unprecedented stretch in his career of minimal turnovers, right? But what came with that was a reduction in production because Russ has one pitch. Russ is going to drive like a like the like crazy to the basket and either finish or kick it out and that's pretty much what he does and so when you ask him to tone it down there's not a version of Russ that's like all right I'm gonna navigate this pick and roll and you know put my guy in jail and snake it and hit this sweet little pull-up midi right like it's not the player he is and I think that expecting that and and mind you he hasn't been asked to do that in particular but I think his perspective is I've been in the dunker spot. You've asked me to tone it down. I thought that his comments after this game, the reason that they were more pointed than the Knicks game, remember after he came out in the press conference in the Knicks game, people were like, hey, good for us for coming out and facing the music. And he wasn't combative. He wasn't like, he didn't say what he said last night. And what I think happened was the three times that he's been benched now, the first two were because he was playing like crap and he wasn't playing hard. I thought Russ played hard last night. He made mistakes, but I thought he got 10 rebounds. He won several battles inside. He pushed the pace, right? And so I thought Russ I think, was fine last night for what it's worth. Like in terms of his game, I thought he was fine. He's not the reason we're down by 30. You know what I mean? But the thing, the thing, we'll kick to break here, right? It, but I think that last night stung especially for him because it was like, it, 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 because it's the continuation of a, you've been asking me to do these things. I do them. And then when we don't win, which, and we're not winning for a number of reasons, of which he is one of them. When we don't win, I get the blame for it. And so it's this cycle, right? So let's go to break, Mike. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on kind of where I think Russ is coming from. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh man. Well, last night and I guess we can, we don't have to just view it through that prism, but with I agree, Pete, especially I thought in the first half that Westbrook was was, you know, pretty energetic on both sides of the ball. But I think where where you have to mirror or where where you have to bring in some frustration elements whether it's for him or for the team is that that still wasn't helping. Uh, that much like he mm -hmm. so he's still three for 11 from the field he still had four turnovers um to five assists you know there were still plenty of just spots where okay lebron's in the ball like how how is he actually going to help on that particular play and and that's part of what i was getting at earlier so it's this is not just questioning you know russ's effort or but the way that russ described things after the game was more you know, I deserve, I've shown, look at my numbers throughout my career. I deserve to be on the court, you know, in crunch time. I, and so there's his, 
his mindset and what he is trying to accomplish with the ball, without the ball, all of that brought into like what the Lakers are actually doing to win or lose these games. Um, I do think that that's related. Mm-hmm. We played better when he wasn't on the floor. That's so. That's the thing is part of this like role reduction. The thing about last night, Mike, is that I don't think it was like malice from Frank D was talking about this. We were down twenty five. Yes. Russ was out of the game at the time that he'd normally be out of the game. He wasn't benched. It was just the beginning of the fourth quarter, and that's not usually when he plays. We go on a run and cut it to eight with other dudes on the floor, and Vogel rode with the unit that got him there. That happens all the time. The only sub he made was he brought LeBron back, and it was sort of just like, okay, there's there's a chance here. What can we do? And then he kept LeBron in even when the Bucks sort of stemmed the tide. You always, even if your unit's on a run, you want LeBron and AD in the game. Yes. Hey, that this bench crew. Yes, that's right. Brought it from twenty-five to eight. Yo, let's bring LeBron and AD back. Maybe we got a chance. We're down eleven with five thirty yeah. left. We can do this. And so the thing, Mike, that Russ needs to come to grips with is when you are not one of those two guys that. There are three other guys that even if you didn't do anything wrong, even if you played hard, but your shots weren't falling. So it's it's the difference between like in the last couple of games, I thought he was sat. He, I thought he got I thought they sat him because he wasn't playing hard in this game. I thought he was he was playing hard, but wasn't playing well enough. He wasn't playing better than Monk and Reeves. And so you, you should keep him on the bench. Yeah, And this is but this is also this is also part of what I mentioned earlier in the pod and Pete, you started this train of thought with like okay well what does it how does a team's energy take a blow and part of the blow is the fans in crypto.com arena you still getting used to saying that like <laughs> there's a there's just a feeling in the building about russ like when the shot goes up or if he makes a turnover now and like th- that stuff you can mm-hmm. feel it it's palpable yeah. in the arena and the players can feel it and it's it's a weird vibe. And yeah. now it doesn't mean that it can't be like Russ could come out and have his bet in in have a great game and the fans would be cheering, right? Especially like if Russ had let a comeback after all of that happened. So it's not that it's etched permanently into stone, but that's what it is right now. That's yeah. what it is. And that's that feeling is pervasive right now. Well, and yeah. I think that's part of LeBron's post game, even though it's not just about that, and it, so it's just it's something that has to be acknowledged. One of the frustrating things is, and I think that this is frustrating for fans, and it's probably frustrating a certain amount to Russ, is that like all of the times that Russ has played really well, right, and brought the team back in sort of those like signature Russell Westbrook sort of performances, the Lakers have lost maybe eighty percent of those games. Right. And so like this, idea we won and Russell Westbrook played well, hasn't been has experience that we yes. had a lot of. And, and so there is a general sense, too, of like, I get it from Russ's perspective. Like I'm Russell Westbrook, man. Like I was playing hard. I can help. And one of the things that that one of the things that I think is important is. The idea of what Russ was saying to LeBron and AD supposedly is like, I wish I could help. I want to help you more. I didn't like that in that moment, by the way. That's not the time to to do that like make it about yourself. Yeah, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not really getting the opportunity to help you as much as I'd like. That's not my call. All of that's true. 
It's also, though, a situation where, look, man, sometimes you're actually not helping. And the idea of how you can help, that's the thing that you were supposed to figure out. We're still talking about figuring it out, and it's almost 60 games into to the season. Have the, And this is where you can project whatever you want to on to LeBron's comments, but this is where it's sort of just like, well... Yeah, it's frustrating to continue to talk about figuring it out. The coaches are trying to figure it out. We're trying to fig- figure it out. But then I point back to the thing that he said before, which is like, you still got to go out there and do the job. Yes. There have been times where Russ has not done the job, where he has actively undermined the job, and he skated in those situations and he got to play and he got to finish That's been the most game. of his career. This, this idea of, of him, like he's never played hard all the time. He's never paid attention all of the time. Now, when he is in it, like that's a force to be reckoned with for sure. But those moments where he gets lost off of the ball or doesn't get back on yeah, transition, none defense, of that's new. this is not new. No, none of that's new. And one of the biggest sort of like, there's that line right from the usual suspects where it's just like, oh, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing us, uh, yada, 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 right? And one of the common misnomers about Russell Westbrook, I think, is like, oh, well, he's ultra competitive. He always plays hard. The ultra competitive part is real. The always plays hard part is not. Is not. That's not real. That's not a real thing. And so when analysts go on TV or former players be like, well, look how hard he plays. It's just like, you're being selective. In that it's not Mm -hmm. true. And there is a difference between caring because Russell Westbrook cares. There's a Mm -hmm. difference between caring and showing care. Right. And so you, Mike, you're a father. We, we, we care for our kids. Right. But if you do not show care with how you develop them, then that care does not pass over. You do not actually see it, right? There is a feeling of like, oh, well, I care. I care. Well, how do you show it? How do you show that you care? Are you there every day? Are you staying late? Are you taking your kids to the place that they need to be? Are you sitting extra time with them to help them with their homework? Are you showing them the right things to do every single day? Because that's showing care. It's not just saying I care, right? And there's a certain amount of time where where you know that Russell Westbrook cares, but is he showing the care within Mm -hmm. the context of what the ask is on any given possession or in any given game in order to actually help the team? And this is why I thought the Knicks game was so egregious when it came to Russell Westbrook Mm -hmm. and why in the aftermath of that game, I was not a fan of the idea of it's only about he's in his own head. It's only about he played poorly. No, it's not just about that. It's the fact that he showed an utter disdain for the care that needed Mm -hmm. to be shown in terms of how Mm -hmm. much you value the game, how much you value being a part of the group in order to compete hard and do the things that you're asked to do on any given possession in order to help the team. And he wasn't doing that stuff. And that's why he was on the bench, because I can guarantee you if he is locked in defensively and he is making the extra rotation and he is doing all of the things that are asked of any given player that's on the court at any given time, he would have closed that game in overtime. In fact, the Lakers would have won. In regulation, if that was the case. Instead, it didn't. 
happen. And that's what Russell Westbrook was. And so two nights later for him to be like, I'm not getting the opportunities. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you feel that way. But there is a misalignment to steal a word from Pete Mm -hmm. between what you see yourself as and what you actually are in this moment in terms of your contributions to the team win winning. And that disconnect, it represents that elephant in the room that you were talking about earlier, Pete. Yeah. So part of the disconnect too was, so, you know, Russ after the game essentially questioned what the, the coaching rotations and sort of the, the lack of consistency, but his rotation has been the most consistent on the team. You know, he's played the most minutes. He started every game. He's generally been in at about the same times, although they've switched either if he or LeBron goes out first a couple of times based on when LeBron was coming back from from injury. And he's closed all but the three games. So that stuff has been consistent. His teammates around him have have certainly not. And at times what he's been asked to do have have not. But, you know, that's that's like NBA basketball in year 14. Like if, if yeah. that's the if that's the yeah. point, like you're supposed to be one of the guys that that just does figure it out. And. The last element I want to bring in for this is if you watch Russ's doc on Showtime, and I think that there's so much to admire about the person that he's turned himself into and that he that really that he's always been, but but where he is at this point. And with that comes a certain amount of, of rigidity about the way that he sees things, about the way that he sees his role. And last night is even a microcosm of that. So I don't know when LeBron... Uh, when Russ went over to LeBron and AD, the way that Russ was seeing that, I don't know if it was the same way as it was for LeBron and AD. And and mm-hmm. I think that the way that LeBron is seeing it. So speaking of being in press conferences, there are very, very few times when LeBron said something that I'm just like, I, I'm like doing something other than nodding. It's like, yeah, you know, he Phil Jackson was the same way. Kobe was the same way. Like those guys were, those guys know everything about basketball it seems and and what happened in the game there's never a moment where like hey lebron what happened here now he may not say it for because he's protecting somebody but he always knows he knows about the play he knows about the game plan he knows about the opponent he knows stuff and i that's not when when russ speaks right it's not always necessarily you're i'm not getting that same message back and i think it's all tied into his philosophy that's gotten him to the point where he's gotten. But that is also part of the disconnect. When we're seeing two different things out of the same picture, that's that's tricky. If you had asked me before the season, before the, the rest trade or anything like that, who the most rigid player in the NBA is, who the most unchangeable player in the NBA is, I would have said Russell Westbrook. And that's been a that has been the fuel that has underlied so much of my adamance about we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to do this. We've been doing this podcast for five years. I have never done that about a season where it's like, oh, we need to do the and and so I feel like Darius, when you trade for Russell Westbrook, yeah, you are signing up for all of the things that we were talking about. In some ways, it is a it's a stability in and of itself in that, like, I know Russ is going to mess up in these ways. Yeah. I know this is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I know no, that it's he's like riding a roller this. coaster for the 50th time, right? Like, like I, ask the Lopez yeah. twins about Space Mountain. And, <laughs> right. And they'll tell you where all the ups and downs are. It doesn't mean that their stomach doesn't go up into their throat on all of the big drops, right? But they've ridden this ride before. A hundred percent. And so that is just I, I want you're you're spot on with all of that, Mike. And that disconnect exists and has to be resolved for us to have any chance of becoming the best team that we can be, which has been 
my only goal this whole season is let's become the best version of what this team is. And we could have played our best game and Milwaukee's better than us. They have more talent than we do. And we would have lost that game. I want us, but we haven't gotten to the best version of this team. And so that's been my goal because it gives us a, a point to build off of going forward. That said, I feel like Russ is such a lightning rod for attention that I'm like, sometimes we have these conversations and I'm like, we're giving up 40 points every first quarter, yeah. 70 points in the first half, 130 points in games. And like Russ is part of that. I'm not saying Russ is a good defender, but he's not the reason why that's the case, right? And there's a certain amount of we're disjointed and disconnected of, of which Russ is the biggest piece that we needed to lock in with early on and we didn't. But that's not the only like there's a lot going on right now of which I think that Russ and the topic of Russ kind of obscures the idea of being together is mm -hmm. what a team that's the idea of a team. Yes. And you started this pod, I think, Pete, with the most important point of all, which is you get to a point where the frustration overwhelms, where your cup runneth over. Yeah. And now there's water on the floor and the water is not going to stop flowing. The water's just going to keep coming and you either you either figure out a way or everyone just sort of like goes their separate ways. And then the water's still just piling up and like we will figure it out next year. Right. I don't know what comes next for this Lakers team. I don't. I don't. The trade deadline is literally tomorrow. By the time you listen to this pod, it will be 24 hours away that the trade deadline is here. And I don't know if the Lakers are going to make a, the giant move that mm -hmm. Pete said. I don't I don't know if Frank Vogel is going to finish this season. And if Pete's sort of three things point is is accurate, that may just mean that it's just like, well, I, I guess we'll get him next year. Right. Because the idea of where this team is and where this team is is going. They're so far away from the Bucks at this point. And that's why oh, yeah. LeBron's statement at the end where it's just like, I could have told you we were way below them before the game even started. That's like the truest thing in the world. Just a little quick thing to mention. So you, when you listen to this podcast, you're going to be like a couple hours away from the Lakers playing the Blazers. Okay. I am in Portland. The team got to Portland at, got to the hotel at about three in the morning, which means most guys probably got to bed somewhere between three and four. And hopefully most guys are sleeping in, but like it's, I there's a part of me that thinks it's, it's going to help that Portland is a soft landing spot right now. Having just made, having just traded McCollum, having just traded Dance, I don't know if the Pelicans guys are going to be ready to roll at this point. And you know they are not the Bucks. And so, how do the Lakers play? Are when we talk tomorrow, you know, is there going to be new information? And I think probably not, but they could probably still win the game at least against Portland. And then we can kick the conversation down the road another day as we look up in the standings and see the Timberwolves are four games ahead in the loss column, right? The Clippers are sort of right there. Uh, are the Pelicans going to go on a run? So there's there's still so much to, that in a, this was AD's perspective more. Like, hey, you know, I know there's not that much time, but like he was a little bit more like, I still think we can do this. And it's just a, it's, we're going to have this next set of info um, with tonight's game in Portland to, and then we can discuss it even more on the Laker Film Road podcast. Wow. Look at that outro. Oh, I wasn't trying to do an outro. Yeah. You, you oh, wow. That outros. sounded like my, no, that was like my, I, that was like my outro. That was like, I'm going to, I'm going to Nike.
<laughs> I like, oh, man. Yes. Have, have a great time at Nike. Pick Darius up uh, some kicks. So here's a, the, the defending champs playing some of their best basketball of the season. I think that starting lineup is, what, 17 and 4 now? And yeah. they're playing great. I watched them play the Clippers the other night. That's why I was really interested about the game last night was they played the Clippers the other night. I was like, wow, the Bucks are playing great basketball. They're playing really well right now. And so in terms of where we want to go, which we always talk about, let's say it's an A through Z type of thing. That's like Y or Z level basketball. Not quite playoff basketball. Let's not make it Z, but it's way down, way closer to the end of the alphabet than the beginning. Whereas we're like, who should our starting lineup be? When was the last time the Bucks, in a non-injury, you know, severe injury circumstance, was like, I wonder who should start? And so we're on like step B or C. And games like Portland do not like say we win by twenty tonight. It's not like ah, oh, there we are, here we go, the start of the season, right? We've been joking about that all year. But if you win a game like that, and you can build off of off of it, and our our goal is to get as deep into the alphabet to me throughout the end of this season because. Every season builds on the next. Even if it's not for the purposes of this season, it will inform some of the decisions we make this offseason. And I think that's really important because I think we threw a lot of the baby out with the bathwater this past offseason. So anyway, we're going to wrap it up here. Game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk about it all here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires, it's good, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Rebound is lying, three seconds left, that next to the winner, it's on the way, good! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.